What's the best mattress for you? Well, if you're an egg or a kitten, check out the competition. But if you're a human person, put your body on a nectar mattress. As well as award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. How many people are you following in the community? Oh, that's hard. Uh, I think it's around 450 people. That you're, that you're keeping a constant eye on? <laughs> yeah, trying to. It's hard because I'm only me, but I've gotten used to it. And I feel better knowing that I can do something. That's 22-year-old Ingeberg Blindheim. We're in a room looking out on a stunning view across Ingeberg's home city of Bergen on the west coast of Norway. It's a beautiful sunny autumn day. Hikers are heading into the mountains and boats are out in the water. People are making the best of the sunny weekend weather. It all seems a world away from the subject that's brought me here. I've come to learn more about one of the most worrying communities on social media – a community that Ingebjerg has made it her mission to watch over. I feel like when I'm not on the phone and watching, I'm scared that people might do something to themselves and no one sees it. Ingebjerg doesn't work for Instagram and she hasn't paid for what she does. But for those she helps, she can literally be the difference between life and death. That's because the people Ingebjerg's tracking are posting about their self-harm, their suicidal thoughts and even their suicide attempts. This is BBC Trending, the podcast that takes an investigative look at the world of social media. I'm Katrin Nye. In last week's programme, we reported how Norwegian journalists have uncovered a vast network of Instagram profiles – all posting the same sort of dangerous and disturbing material. The network includes the accounts of at least 15 Norwegian girls and young women who've killed themselves. If you didn't hear that programme, it's still available as a podcast. Now, these sorts of networks are an international phenomenon. The people in them use private Instagram profiles, so only those they trust and have approved as followers can see what they're posting. It's a secretive world from which parents, teachers and health workers are deliberately excluded. Ingeborg has access because for several years she was an active participant. But these days she goes back in to help others. It's a role she's created for herself. And it's why she's been nicknamed the lifeguard. I feel like my role in the Instagram community now is kind of lifesaver because I uh, scrolled through the feed and I see a lot of people who wants to die um, and some people who post pictures of uh, medicines or thing they can take an overdose with and then I have to call the police or something and I have to do that quite often. <laughs> Either I see it and call the police or someone sends me a message and asks if I can call for them because they think it's scary to call police or ask for help themselves. They know that 
I'll do something about it. I won't just watch someone saying that they're going to kill themselves and ignore it and hope for the best. How much time do you spend doing this? Most of the time every day. I'm quite often on the phone. <laughs> yeah? A bit too much. The young women and girls whose accounts Ingebjörg is watching are dotted all over Norway. Many are dealing with eating disorders, depression and other mental health problems. And Ingebjörg says they often feel misunderstood or let down by the people around them or by those that are supposed to be treating them. So they go online and seek support they don't get elsewhere. You get friends who understand, people who go through the same things as you. You don't get judged. You get a lot of judgment in the healthcare system. And I think it's a lot about the people are lonely. They don't feel like they can talk honestly to their therapist or family or anyone. And that is why they're posting. But these Instagram networks are anything but safe spaces. Whatever good some people find in them is outweighed by the bad, Ingebjörg says. These are places where the vulnerable can be influenced by the harmful behaviour of others. I think the community is making people worse because they give you ideas on how you can kill yourself, how you can starve yourself or get rid of the food after you've eaten, eaten, how you can hide your illness from the people around. One thing I've been told is that the more extreme your harmful behaviour, the more likes you get. Yeah, you get more support, the more friends, you, the more serious the things you do. So that you, you get reward for basically being more extreme. And that must be quite addictive. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> I've been struggling with an eating disorder since I was um, probably like 10 years old or younger. When I was 16, I was very thin and very sick because of the eating disorder. And I had a profile on Twitter and I posted pictures of myself. And I got a lot of followers. And I know that I made people sicker just because of how I looked. Because people were wanting to be as skinny as me. Uh, that was on Twitter rather than Instagram? Yeah, it was uh, in the start, the community were on Twitter. But then... Uh, there were people were starting to notice, and yeah, so we had moved over to Instagram. And in Instagram, it's more closed than on Twitter. How important is it that these accounts are locked and that you approve your followers? How much is that key to the community that other people can't see? I think that's very important. If it wasn't a possibility to. Uh, lock your Instagram account. I don't think this probably would, would uh, be as big as it is now. And what's the culture like? Are you, is it supposed to be very secret? Yeah. Uh, if you snitch, <laughs> that's not okay. It's all private and you can't spread it anywhere and people get angry if someone says anything about the community. I th- no people want it to be secret. And I understand because they are posting very private things on their accounts. If the community is secret and there's um, no snitching rule, how come you're allowed to be in there and be calling the police? And... Um, I think people want help. And I, 
think a lot of people don't really want to die. They just want to be heard and seen and understood. <laughs> and I'm always careful when I'm calling the police not to say anything about the community or that they posted it there. Or, uh, I always say, like, they sent me a text or something just so that I don't say too much. And I always say that it's me who has called and why I did it. Um, and it's rare, rare that people are getting angry at me for, for that. <laughs> These days, Inga Björk tries to be a positive influencer. She's created an Instagram and Snapchat channel for people to talk about their mental health problems in a way that's not harmful. That's all out in the open for anyone to see. But Inga Björk spends most of her time watching the accounts of hundreds of desperate people whose posts are hidden from all but the people they trust. So what inspired her to take on such a huge task? I promised myself after I lost my best friend that um, I would do anything I could to prevent people from having to feel that feeling I had when that happened. Carrie-Anne took her life in 2014, when she was only 15. She and Ingebjörg had both been hospitalised for psychiatric treatment. We were impatient, both of us, at the psych ward. They wanted me to go home because I had school and I had to focus on that and I couldn't be impatient for forever, they said. I was okay with that. And then they did the same to her and she said... I think I'm going to take my life if they um, send me home. Uh, but they didn't take it seriously. And her first night out, she took her life. She posted it on, it on Instagram. Ingebjörg had thought she'd talked her friend out of it. In the last phone call, Karianne had promised not to kill herself. And I believed her, <laughs> which I never should have done. And I felt bad of still feel really bad about that because I didn't do anything more than trying to talk her out of it. So now I can't ignore when I see those things and I have to active, be active and follow if anyone uh, is struggling. Because I feel like, in some ways I feel like I killed her because I didn't do anything or I didn't do enough. You must, you must know as well that that's, it's not your responsibility. I know it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, Have you been doing this ever since? Yeah, I had a break from the social media for a period. Um, but even then I called for people because they had my phone number. And I don't mind doing it because I'm just glad I can do something. And uh, yeah, but it's hard when it goes wrong. <laughs> Ingebjörg told me about an occasion where things did go wrong. A girl she'd been following online announced she was going to kill herself and deleted all her social media accounts. Ingebjörg called the police, but she says they were sceptical, as the girl had threatened suicide before. They thought it wasn't realistic that she was going to take her life, because she had said it so many times, but never did it. <laughs> so I asked them and begged them to please just call her, check up on her, check if she's okay. And they were just, they didn't take it seriously. And she died? Yeah, she died. 
How is it for you when something like that happens? Mm, it's awful. People think that I'm getting used to it, but it is just as hard every time and it gets harder and harder for every person. So that's why I'm doing the things I do. Spending time with Inga Björk, you can't help but get a sense of just how much this softly spoken young woman has taken on. She's doing all this without any training or backup. Her ambition is to resume her education, which was disrupted by her own problems, yet she remains immersed in an online community that was so damaging for her in the past. Doesn't she want to put down this burden and get on with living her own life? I'm trying to do both at the same time, but there's a lot of sleepless nights when you're doing this. I don't have a problem doing it. I will still do it until I don't have to anymore. But I hope that people are still taking responsibility so that I don't have to. So whose responsibility is this? Inga Björk says that desperate young women and girls are drawn to using Instagram because its privacy features make it easier for them to conceal the severity of their problems. Often family and friends will know nothing about the private accounts on which they display their self-harm and threaten suicide. I spoke to Tara Hopkins, Instagram's public policy lead for Europe, the Middle East and Africa. I asked if she thought it was right that Inga Björk spent so much of her time doing what she does because Instagram wasn't doing it. I think the work that she's doing is is really hard, it's really tough. I think the help and support that she's trying to give within her community is just hugely commendable. I wasn't sure that really answered my question, so I had another go. But are you comfortable that a 22-year-old girl, because of the community that's been created by your platform, feels like she has to do that? I think it's really tough. Um, and I have seen the work that she, she's done and it's hugely commendable. And I think she's, she is a huge support to her community in, in, in Norway and, and elsewhere. Tara went on to say that Instagram wants people to be able to express themselves and seek support when they're going through difficult things, but that the company is also committed to ensuring users are protected from seeing potentially harmful or disturbing content. It uses computers to identify and remove this sort of material. Tara said that Instagram's human reviewers also direct people to help. They're ensuring that people who are posting this kind of content are being provided with support, whether that's to call a helpline and other ideas and, and tips that we get from experts as to how to help them in the particular moment. Some of the parents of girls who've killed themselves feel Instagram does bear some of the responsibility for their loved ones' deaths. But Inga Björk feels that closing down the accounts of everybody posting dangerous content isn't the answer. I think it's a bigger problem than... Instagram or deleting the accounts or something can fix because they are just going to find new communities or new websites or something. The healthcare system has to be better so that people don't feel like they have to post things to, but they could rather talk to the therapist or family instead of posting. Yeah, they do a lot of things that that's good, but uh, a lot of people feel like they don't get the help that they want or need. So will things change? The investigation by Norway's public service broadcaster NRK has revealed the existence of a suicide network 
and in the process brought Ingeberg's work to public attention. Norway's health minister says a new suicide prevention strategy is needed, and he's pledged to consult young people on how to improve mental health services. But this is an international problem that transcends national borders. Does Ingeberg have any advice for people who are worried that somebody they know is struggling, and maybe part of these online communities? The most important thing they can do is talk about it and not get angry or take their phones away or go in and delete the accounts. I think you have to be just talk about it in a way that shows that you care. If somebody feels able to share their problems with the people around them, if they feel they'll be heard and not judged, then Ingerbjerg says they're less likely to seek out an audience in the darkest corners of social media. I know when people around are enough, when you can talk to them, when they're taking you serious and you're getting seen. You don't feel like you need to post because the people around you are caring enough. So, yeah. That's it this week for BBC Trending. I'm Katrin Nye. Thanks to producer Ed Main, our production coordinator Sarah Jackson and editor Mike Wendling. If you've been affected by the issues in this podcast, then you can find information about support organisations on our website. That's www.bbc.co.uk forward slash trending. Then you click on where it says BBC Trending Radio and you'll find the information on the page for this particular episode. You can use any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram to get in touch with us. Or if you want to message Trending with your thoughts on this podcast, then you can email me on katrin.ni at bbc.co.uk. Before we go, here's a word about another World Service podcast that's now available in full. Aerodynamics, camouflage, a sort of flexible skin, a new powerful glue, bug-resistant materials, scaling up the side of buildings like Spider-Man, saving thousands of lives. This is 30 animals that made us smarter. I'd like you to meet what I reckon are the toughest animals on Earth. The podcast which investigates the amazing things that animals have taught us. I was now completely out of my comfort zone. 30 animals that made us smarter. But now for the light bulb moment from the BBC World Service. They are the stuff of science fiction. Catch up with the whole series now stay away i don't taste good and i'm venomous just search for 30 animals that made us smarter wherever you get your podcasts hey sleepyhead why so sleepy oh it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal you should try a nectar mattress with award-winning layers of comfort you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com.